Hi, Julian Pensavalli. Hi, Patrick. Hi. Um, I'm out of tears. I mean... I'm out of tears. I'm exhausted already. I kind of can't believe we're doing this. I can't either. So listeners, get ex- I mean, I, I was going to say get excited, but don't <laughs> at all. But you guys wanted this, and this is how much we love you. Yeah, this was hard. This was... I was what are we feeling, talking about? We're talking about Dear Zachary. And it's brutal, guys. It's really brutal. It made my husband and I get in a fight. We've gotten, like, emails and tweets from listeners who are like, I can't believe I just watched that. So sorry, guys. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, but, like, so many other people asked for it. I- there's going to be a mutiny on our hands if we didn't just shut up and do Dear Zachary. So you guys wanted it. You got it. Here we go. Enjoy. God. On the afternoon of November 7th, 2001, my sister called to tell me that Dr. Andrew Bagby, my closest friend since the age of seven, had been killed. My name's Kurt, and I'm a filmmaker. Andrew appeared in every movie I made growing up. Jesus Christ. Kurt, what do you want? I mean, no, no, I just need... I'm, I'm just... I decided to make a movie to travel far and wide to interview everyone who ever knew and loved Andrew. Kurt, I just got a call from Mrs. Bagby. The abbreviated version is that bitch uh, held a press conference and announced she's four months pregnant with Andrew's baby. They can't prove it until the child's born. If it is true that Bagby's are going to sue for custody. She named the little boy Zachary. To seek custody of the only grandson they would ever have, Andrew's parents moved to St. John's, Newfoundland, where Shirley Turner was unbelievably allowed to walk free on bail while awaiting extradition. In order to see Zachary, Kate and David were forced to stomach a civil relationship with the woman they knew murdered their only son. I now had a mission. My movie might be one of the only ways Zachary could see and get to know his father. So I pointed the van east toward Newfoundland and set off on a quest to bring a man back to life. Turns out, this movie's not a comedy. It's not? It's not a comedy, but I will say there are a few moments of levity sort of in the beginning. Because this whole movie is made by this guy named Kurt, right? Mm-hmm. Who's Andrew. Andrew is our hero. He's one of our heroes. One of our one of our heroes. We know from the beginning that Andrew has been murdered and Kurt's sort of like on his, this like crusade to make this movie about Andrew's life. Mm-hmm. But part of that is seeing that Kurt is a filmmaker. Right. Oh, the, the footage is, I mean, <laughs> hours and hours and hours of these, these like home movies and actual like films yeah. that were made. And Andrew is acting his ass off. He loved playing bad guys. Shut up! Jeff, it's cocaine. Ace, huh? You must be a smart boy. And having a free pass to smoke and swear in front of his parents. I will fuck you up! Kiss my ass, you son of a bitch! And you could tell they were making, they were having so much fun. They adored the ever-loving shit out of each other. Except for when they didn't, because apparently Kurt, um, Kurt's a director who likes to do a lot of takes. So one more take, one more time, one more time. Could you do that one more time? One more time. Okay, one, one more time. One more time. Oh, yeah, I want to see that one more time. That was perfect. Oh, famous one more time, asshole. And even Andrew's parents. <laughs> oh my god, we're in the parents. movie. Oh my god, when his mother slaps him in the hall. Oh my god, you are pain in the ass. You little bastard. And the father too is like, does that give you the right to go yelling about your penis on the air? They're just awesome. <laughs> you could tell immediately, like, well, this is gonna destroy me because yeah. everyone is like, you could tell just like goodness beaming from the screen totally. of not j- only how much fun these kids were having but just how much everyone like just adored each other the thing about Andrew is that he has like a ton of friends from growing up yeah everybody wanted him to be their best man at their wedding mm-hmm. and you see like all these best man speeches that he did and he like talks about all these different people as though like you know he grew up and he didn't get to have he didn't have brothers and sisters but the the thing that was great about that was that he got to pick his brothers the main thing I guess about being an only child is that I get to choose my brothers 
others of you don't. As his friends are talking about him, the audio is overlapping because everyone is saying the same, same exact thing. yeah, things totally. about how great he is. Yeah. Charismatic. Opinionated. I have to point out he was short. But he was a giant of a man. Really a good storyteller. He was completely selfless. selfless. Animated. Kind. Kind. Jubilant. Caring. Devilish. Laid back. Very approachable. So, okay, the thing about Andrew was that he always wanted to be a doctor, mm-hmm. right? And he applied to medical school and what happened? He didn't get accepted to where he wanted to go, and it was really disheartening for him, and he felt really bummed out about it. But he eventually got into St. John's, which is in Newfoundland. Now, before he left, and this is a little bit of a mystery, he has a very bad breakup. Yes, with Heather. Heather, who I love, and she is like threaded throughout this documentary. Um, She's like the sweetest person in the world. Yeah, and at first they sort of drop that bomb where it's like, Heather, ex-fiance, and you're like, what? Come again? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Apparently, he like Andrew stays in touch with everybody. Of course. So he gets there and he like meets this woman and like everybody is so happy and Heather especially. Makes me sick to my stomach now. But I was I was so excited that he was dating somebody. <laughs> <laughs> right. However, <laughs> there were people who were like, "Who? Her name is Shirley Turner." Oh God. AKA this bitch. <laughs> so that's like way too nice. I know. I know. But, but her, some of his his medical school friends were like I'm sorry who is Shirley yeah. Turner like she sort of just appeared she just kind of appeared and then she was there all the time all of a sudden and just didn't seem suited for him and then they saw like that stupid picture of her in the Halloween costume <laughs> what first is she all, wearing first of all she's 40 years old and Andrew's 28 right which whatever yeah like so many things I'm about to say would I would have no judgment for anyone else, but because I fucking hate her, I'm judging her. Just like Mr. Becky Fisher, I get to say whatever I want because he's a monster exactly. and Shirley's mm-hmm. also a monster. So there's this picture and she's just, look, she looks like a drunk 19-year-old who yeah. in four hours absolutely is getting her stomach pumped. And she's like hanging all over Andrew and she has that pink long wig and like probably some like zebra print whatever. Yeah. And I'm like... You're 40. But it's like, you know, you guys, Halloween's coming up. So if you want to do that, I don't care what age you are. You do you. If you're not Shirley Turner, do wear whatever you want. Wear whatever you want. But, like, everybody starts saying immediately how, like, she's inappropriate. She was always making kind of sexually inappropriate comments. But never threatening. We never thought of her as being threatening. But just something was a little off. Even um, ex-fiance Heather is like, apparently this woman is calling her. All the time. Yeah. And like saying really inappropriate things about her relationship with Andrew, Heather's ex-fiance. Right. Right. She started calling me on a regular basis. She talked forever. Crude things. The other thing, one of them says that that he thought that it was odd that she had finished her residency for quite some time but was having trouble getting her credentials. She wasn't practicing. Right. So the backstory about Shirley is that, again, I wouldn't like judge anybody else if this was the case, but she's a monster. She has... (laughs) Three children. With three different guys. With three different guys, and she's divorced. So she's had, like... She's been... She's twice divorced. Right. And all of the kids live with their respective fathers. Right. She picked up and left. She did. She has no use for for any of that. Like, she just doesn't really... And this, this is important, that she really is not maternal. There's no warmth, love there with children. Yeah. And this becomes very, very clear. But Andrew was vulnerable. He was from California. Yeah. He was super far away from his family, his friends, everything he knew. He was kind of settling with the school he was in. He and was really, he had gone gone through this breakup. And yeah. like, here comes Shirley Turner, who's fucking all over him. And right. it's like, well, sometimes that feels nice. Totally. It was a comfort. And in Newfoundland, it was somebody to be around and he enjoyed it. 
Okay, so whatever. He goes through medical school, gets done, gets a residency in Syracuse, uh, like a sur- like a surgery residency, mm-hmm. right? Right. And she goes to Iowa. At this point, Andrew still seems to be sort of happy with the with the relationship in whatever whatever sort of way that it is. Yeah, I think he was particularly happy that she moved to fucking Idaho or wherever. <laughs> But they're still, like, you know, seeing each other, like, long distance or whatever. So Andrew realizes quickly that he's, like, not into surgery. Not not his thing. Not his thing. So he, like, switches residencies and moves to Pennsylvania to do family medicine. Right. And, my God, was there ever – I mean, my, there, there should be a sitcom about this guy. Like, I know. A family – he's, like, so happy, loves it so much. He's, like, delivering babies. Like, he was born for this. Right. He said, you finally find that thing that you know is your niche. It's worth it worth everything in the world so he's super happy with that mm-hmm. he's not super happy with this bitch <laughs> i think what i think really what has happened is like he's back on home turf he's finally settled and happy and he's like this woman is just kind of nuts she's not for me right and like he's still far away like he's in pennsylvania that's not california but he's doing what he wants he has a stride now it's like that family that he had in california that's coming to him again he yeah. has this circle of friends he's feeling happier and he sort of wakes up one day and is like Oh, right. Okay. She was giving me something that I thought I needed. What I really needed was like being in family practice. And yeah, then he starts sort of his eyes start opening and realizing, okay, this is a woman that I really want nothing to do with. Yeah. And so he, so there's a wedding that he, um, did not invite her to. Uh huh. Didn't go great. She calls him. <laughs> I think the count is like 60. She called him 30 times, left 30 messages. The morning of the wedding, Andrew's cell phone started ringing. And he'd answer it, and it's Shirley. A minute or two later, ring again, and it's her again. Andrew got more and more upset with her. What is your fucking problem? And he clicked off the phone, and she left 30-some-odd messages. And what a- do you think, like, message 12 was? Oh, I've been in the room where someone has been getting messages like this. Really? Of course. Yeah. Not of course. I mean, that's not a very obvious thing. But I've I've heard like message twenty eight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What like what do they say? Well, the they get they get slurrier and slurrier as the message is gone. <laughs> But they go from, in my experience, and I've only heard this diatribe of messages once in my life. Once was enough. And they go from, they're like different personalities almost in every message. Like one, they're super angry. And then they're super sad. And I miss you. And then it's like, well, just hope you're having fun. It it goes, it's every emotion. Every time it gets worse, there's a different emotion. And it's just a little slurrier every time. And then the slurrier gets, the angrier gets, and then are sadder or whatever. So the emotions are heightened. It's it's insane. So she's calling him. He's at the wedding. He's giving the best man speech. And everyone in the documentary is saying like, oh, there she is again. Like he would just say like her again, her again, and slam the phone down. He was getting angrier and angrier. Because also... Ladies, gentlemen, whoever, not a good look. Like, people don't like that, the 30 messages. And his house rang like 30 times, then his cell phone rang 30 times. He's like, oh, it's her. I don't want to talk with her. So, but then he does take her to another wedding after this. Well, the thing is, he had already invited her to this wedding. But, like, when somebody leaves you 30 messages, you just uninvite them. I know. Or you forget to remind them. Well, she (laughs) forget to remind her, please. She had it written in her own blood the date of that wedding on her crazy <laughs> calendar. Yeah, so they go to this wedding. You guys, her behavior is unbelievable. Unbe- she is such a child. Shirley had been really like 
all over Andrew, just acting possessive of him. She's groping him. Yeah. She's like doing the chicken. Like she's she's insane. She also has her shoes off. She does. She's the I, I thought that was like the your main thing. She's no. the only person in that footage who, that has her fucking shoes off. Oh my god. And is sliding around. That gift you made is her sliding because she has her shoes on. <laughs> And honestly, it's like you see like 20 people on the dance floor and then she slides on and basically everybody walks away. Scatters. <laughs> and they're like, well, they don't even, they're not even going to try to make it like, oh, this song's over. Good right. dance, everyone. Let's leave. Everyone's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Here she is sliding around in her stupid. I know she's the worst. But then she says to the bride and it's just like, what are you thinking? The bride, who's like a lifelong friend of Andrew's, comes over and it's like, can I get you a drink? I say, Andrew, hey, do you want something to drink? And she said, there you go, hitting on the best man. So my my jaw dropped. It had to. I remember going. Basically, Andrew breaks up with her at the airport. He's like, clearly this isn't working out. And she's like, what? what? No. And so she goes home and then two days later. What it would be like to sit next to her on that flight. How, how did she even get on the plane? I can't imagine that she would even be like, okay, I'm going on the plane now. She yeah. took her shoes off on that plane. You know she did. <laughs> ruining, ruining everyone's flight. So now we get to... An actual timeline. Right. And as Andrew's dad says... A summary of the evidence against Shirley Turner. Right. So the first thing that happens is that they break up on November 3rd. He sends her home. November 5th, 5.30 a.m., knock, knock, knock on Andrew's door, opens the door, and there is Shirley Turner. I remember the morning that Shirley showed up. He said, you'll never guess who showed up on my doorstep at 5.30. And I said, who? He said, the psychotic bitch. And I told him, I said, you know, Andrew, when I break up with somebody and put them on a plane and send them 1,300 miles away, I said, they knock on my front door, I'm going out the back door, and I'm calling the police. We don't know exactly what happened. 5.30 a.m., she shows up. He Does does he invite her in? What do, what happens? They have a conversation, and she's like, I want to speak to you, but it has to be alone, and it has to be at Keystone State Park that night. Oh. So Andrew's like, Whatever. But Andrew goes to work. So Andrew goes to work at 7.30 in the morning and he goes to his practice. Yeah. And Shirley stays at his house and goes on fucking eBay and is like, just like prove, like dumb murderer right. proving that she's there. Right, totally. And <laughs> signing into her eBay account. Like, right, really, right. bitch? God, I hate you. <laughs> and he has a conversation with Clark and Clark is like, don't go meet Get with her. Get rid of her. Like, Get out of there. Hang, come hang out with me. Right. So they make a plan. Yeah. So Andrew's like, whatever, I'm just going to meet her and like just tell her that it's not going to work. I'm so, going to meet her at six. I'll be at your place at 7.30. Right. And they were going to go get beers. So they there was a plan. Yeah. So Clark says. Things people should know about Andrew. He was never late. And you know what? When Andrew didn't show up at 7.30, I knew something was very wrong. And when I went back down at 9 o'clock and didn't see his car there, I knew something was wrong. And then you're just like, oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. The tissues and the wine need to. Because yeah, you know yeah, this, is yeah. when it, this is when it's all going to start to go to hell. Yeah. So the next mm-hmm. morning, he shows up to work. Andrew's not there for the morning meeting. And then all like the, the chief of the residency is starting to get nervous. Everyone's just like, what the hell is happening? Clark calls Andrew. I love that we have all these voicemails. I it's know. crazy. Hey, bags, it's Clark. Uh, just called to say hello and see where you're at. I'm going to stop by your house here in about five minutes and meet the piss out of the door. And then all of a sudden, like, the police call the, the, the head of the uh, residency program. Right. So all of the doctors are called into this conference room. And you just know. And they close the door. He cleared his throat. And he just walked right up to the podium and he said, Andrew Bagby is dead. Clark is basically like, And I said, well, you don't have to look far. 
yeah, everyone knew. But here, I just want to say one thing. This is also the start of how law enforcement and the people in charge did not do right by this family at all. Yeah. Because we, this is a great time, I think, to really introduce Andrew's parents. Oh, yeah. Kate and David, who are the strongest and coolest people ever. Yeah. So Kate and David get a phone call from the cops, but not really. They The cops force them to, like, play phone tag uh-huh. to find out where their son is. Are you Kathleen Bagby? I said yes. I've got a message here from Pennsylvania. You're to call this number. It's the coroner's office. You've got bad news. I said, is my son dead? And he said, I can't tell you that, madam. He said, but you've got terrible news. So the way they find out about Andrew is after this phone tag. And, you oh know, go, God, here, go here, go here, go here. Oh, go we're here. closed. We're closed. Or I don't know. And they're like, I'm sorry. We need to know what's happening with our son. And then someone picks up and it's like, yeah, no, your son's dead. And he said, your son is dead under suspicious circumstances. Have you got any idea why he was in the park? Like, it just, sa- it just sounds like they looked at a piece of paper and were like, nope, yeah, no, yeah. he's dead. Yeah. I was, that, I was furious about how that was handled. Totally. Yeah, it was brutal. It was brutal. You're watching these parents find out that their kid is dead. And then, like, the heartbreaking scene of them, like, going down the stairs and seeing him and touching him and kissing him. Went over to him, and when we could see his face, I said, it's really him. I kissed him and held him and... Kate kissed him and held him and kissed him some more. And tears are dropping on him, of course, and Kate went to wipe one of those away off his cheek. And uh, a plug came out where he'd been shot in the, in the left cheek. So Shirley has an alibi. It's not just like Shirley like walks into the police station and is like, I did it. Oh, no. Like, she's an alibi. And she like the police call her, and she's like, oh, I was homesick from work that day. She claims she was homesick all day on Monday, November 5th. I mean, even though I was homesick at 7. When did you have Um... Sunday. And they're like, oh, really? Were you? And they just like, it takes them five minutes to look up her like, her like cell bill. And they're like, uh, you made a call from this city and this city and this city and this city on her way to Pennsylvania. But while she claims to be home in bed, she's making cell phone calls from Chicago, Illinois at 7.08 and 7.10 p.m. on Sunday, November 4th. Then another from South Bend, Indiana at 10.19 p.m. that night. Then another from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at 8.07 a.m. the next morning, November 5th, the day he was killed. She logged onto eBay that morning from his computer at his house. Yeah, she like actually leaves like cell phone breadcrumbs <laughs> to be like I was in this like showing her right. showing them the map I know and then the last thing she does is try to be real smart with it she leaves a message for Andrew right that's her last when phone she call. gets home she right. leaves a message for Andrew right hey, Andrew it's me I thought I might catch you home once time but I guess you're around see anyway just like to say hi she had also just like, coincidentally just bought the exact kind of gun that was used to kill Andrew. And so the police were like, well, we want to see that gun. I'm not going to kid you, doctor. Uh, I know. I'm interested. I'm interested in the gun. And you just bought the gun, right? Not too long ago? Yeah. Well, I, I have it for protection. Yeah, I can understand yeah. that. And she's like, oh, sure, I'll definitely give it to you. And then two minutes later, she's like, I don't know where it is. Would you be willing to turn the gun into your local police department so they could get a doc to let us look at it? Yeah. And she said, no, I can't find it. It's either in my closet or my bedroom, or it's in the car. And she said, 
I gave the gun to Andrew. She just says stupid things and it's constantly changing her story. Right. But the police know at this point. Well, it's clearly no, you her. told us where you went. Like, But in the interim, so because it was like forever ago, the way the police had to actually verify that she was in these places was to go to the actual cell towers that pinged right. and look at them manually. So they couldn't really, they couldn't actually arrest her until they could prove that she had been where they knew she had been. Right. And so in that time, she flees to Canada, where she's from. Each individual cell tower along her 16-hour drive had to be manually checked, which was a process that took almost two weeks. While the police were uncovering this crucial piece of evidence, Shirley left the United States for her home in St. John's, Newfoundland. Right. Newfoundland. Right. Newfoundland. 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 Canada. Welcome to the Rock, an <laughs> Islander. I am an Islander. Musical theater nerds, there's your come from away. And we're back. So there were memorial services for Andrew everywhere because he's the most popular man in America. Right. They do, but there's also one in Canada where, in Newfoundland, where right. they had gone to medical school and she has the nerve to go to this yeah. and make a scene. She broke down crying during the service and sobbing really loud. And, you know, I, I wondered if it was all just for a show. And they were inviting her to all the other ones. Trying to get her back to the United trying States. Trying to take the, and she wouldn't take the bait. Like, she's so dumb in like, so many so ways. Like, she's so stupid that she can't be like, don't use your cell phone when you go cross country to murder somebody. <laughs> I know. But she is smart enough to know not to come back to the United States to go to these memorial services. Right. And this is when Shirley, is, Shirley's also emailing Heather now and all this. Everyone's trying to grieve and mourn. Oh, and my she's God. she's like, my relationship was better than, than yours was. Got an email from... Surely, a horrible, scathing email. It was all basically, I was nothing and she was everything. How wonderful their love was and how that'll never die now. So then, on December 12th, 2001, she's charged with murder, finally. Mm -hmm. Like, a month after the murder happened, she's finally, finally charged. When was she let out on bail? The same day! <laughs> she was arrested in St. John's, Newfoundland on December 12th, 2001. And was let go on bail the very same day. It's unbelievable. And according to Judge David Russell, all she had to do was post $75,000 bail and turn in her passports and do a weekly check-in and just promise that she won't leave. Right. Just, pro just trust the uh, yeah. murderer. Like, right. I'm just going to promise. And her stupid psychologist, that bitch, too, right. this bitch, paid $65,000 of it. Right. Which is completely unethical, and he gets his eventually. Right. Um, so now by February 7th, she has a February 7th, the next year, 2002. They find out there's like a, a message on an answering machine. Kurt, this is Matt Odinger. I just got a call from Mrs. Bagby. The abbreviated version is What's Your Bucket, That Bitch? Uh, held a press conference and announced that she's four months pregnant with Andrew's baby. They can't prove it until the child's born. If it is true, the Bagbys are going to sue for custody. You know, the parents who just lost their only child now have the actual possibility of, like, having a grandchild. Right. Which, can you imagine? Like, just the emotions of, like, right. happy about that and then furious and sad and just... I and mean, also it's... just, like, so so the parents give up their lives. They quit their jobs. They dip into their savings. They move the F to Newfoundland. Mm -hmm. They move there so they can be near her and the baby. And then it is, like, a legal battle just to get an hour a week visitation they negotiated with her i think you know that already and and what access they got with shirley they negotiated we're coming up with agreements with this accused murderer and shirley turner came up with something else just at the moment when it was all looking good she always did that so that it was extended it was like i don't have to pay for my lawyer you have to pay for yours so the longer i can make it it's better you know you run out of money but then she finally agreed to give us one hour a week and this is when Kurt's like, all right, I'm going to travel the world. And, and if this, if my best friend is now going to have a baby, I'm going to 
make this video doc, this video letter to him called Dear Zachary. So he gets to know his father. Right. So exactly. th- this is this that's is- what this whole movie is about. Right. My movie now took on a whole new meaning. It was no longer just my search for what was left of your dad. It might be the only way you could one day go back in time, see and get to know him. And I vowed to collect every memory for you before they were gone. The whole thing is that she's tr- they're trying to extradite her back to the United States. Right. And this whole infuriating thing about a translation of some nonsense from French to English, that yeah. this is the holdup. And the first thing that the parents are told when they get there is that the law is slow. And they weren't kidding. February 15th, Prosecutor Mike Madden acknowledged that the extradition request had been received. They adjourned until March 11th, when they decided they'd reconvened to select a date for the extradition hearing on March 25th, where they decided to set the date for the extradition hearing for May 27th, where they got caught up debating the French versus English translations of Section She's out free Act, to walk around uh-huh. and care for this child, even though she is very likely perpetrated a premeditated murder. Yeah, they have hearings about hearings. Right. You know who I do love? Can we just talk about another nice person? Tell me. The lawyer, Jacqueline Brazil. Oh, Jackie. Hey, girl. Hey. Jackie, who is who is literally like, I cannot believe this is happening. I know. And if it could happen to nicer people, it's I impossible. Know. I know. Like, she cannot. So she's oh. really fighting for them. I met Kate and David in the spring of 2002. I'll never forget it. They needed a lawyer to assist them in making sure that their rights and the baby's rights were protected, I guess. I instantly like them i thought that it was so important that they have a relationship with that child also they go they move to newfoundland and in five minutes they are like the mayor and mayoress of the town like, everyone's in love with them everyone wants to be it's their Andrew best friend all over again it's like and we're just seeing all, and the, everyone's talking about how wonderful they are and yeah and it's they're just like the light of everyone's life yeah of yeah course. yeah she made friends all over st john's uh, people in the legal community the medical community uh but here at st michael's yeah they they made they they, they got their they got right in there and got right involved it seems like they've always been here. Basically, they have more friends in Newfoundland now than we do. So, like, there's all this, like, legal nonsense that we're not going to, like, break down all the legal shit that happens. But basically, Sherry eventually goes to jail. And while she's in jail, she decides she's going to make nice with the grandparents and give them custody of Zachary as long as she is in jail. She always seemed to know exactly when to turn nice. And it was a pretty obvious time to turn nice. Here's where I want to provide a little bit of insight because everyone is talking about how, like, the, the shit they had to deal with, you know, having this, this kid and, like, having to, like, take the phone call from Jackie from jail and drive to the jail so there could be visitation. We accept a phone call a day from jail to talk about Zachary. Which the foster home would have done anyway, see? We'd bring him up to the prison for a weekly visit. Each week they would drive two hours to the jail where Shirley was so that she would be able to see her son and to follow the visitation rights. That is what foster parents deal with. Uh And as a foster parent, I can say that, like, that's kind of what you sign up for. If you're going to be the legal guardian of a kid, no matter what the charge, if if the parent is in jail, the kid, the parent gets visitation. Right. So I get that it sucks and I get that it's bad, but this is what every foster parent in the world goes through. It's Mm -hmm. a nightmare. Yeah. And all you're trying to do is just care for these kids. I know. They essentially were foster parents. And foster parents really are caretakers with no legal rights. Right. You're glorified babysitters. Which Shirley will tell them every fucking minute she can that she calls them babysitters. And she's like, I'm just worried that you're not taking care of the baby. Basically, I just like your word that I'm going to know where he's at. Like any babysitter, you know. I don't know. He's okay with you. 
I know you're not going to hurt him, but I don't know what you're saying to him. I know. Are you kidding me? I know. It's insane. And again, like, the it's nerve the nerve of her. God bless this mess of the audio. We uh, get so much audio of of the phone calls. A stupid voice. She sounds like she's 80 years old. She does she's sound like she's 80. She's a total nightmare, manic mess. Yeah. And But the but the grandparents think that she's going to be in jail now. They kind of think that this is it. Mm-hmm. And it's not. No, it's not. She gets let out. And of course, the unthinkable happened again. They let her out of jail again. And then we had to give him back on January 10th, 2003. What What is happening here is that she wants to file an appeal. She is out of money. She doesn't have a lawyer. The judge in the case writes her a letter and tells her how to write her own appeal. And meanwhile, everybody involved in the legal community is saying that even the um, like the court-appointed attorneys who, who like basically have to take a case, legal aid, mm-hmm. is like, we're not going to take this case because it's ridiculous. There's no reason for her. She's going to lose the appeal. Right. And there's no reason for her to be out on bail. So they so they won't help her. Like it's everybody knows that this is absurd. Right. Except for Gail Welch, aka this bitch. <laughs> if you could have seen, I knew that we were going to be seeing Shirley Turner walk free the minute that woman walked into the room, Judge Welch. She was almost fawning with Shirley Turner as as I saw it. Oh, Dr. Turner, she said. Yeah, I don't know how or why this bitch is not seeing through the other bitch. I know. Like I just don't get like how it's so obvious to everybody else. And she's the one whose argument is, well, she killed the one person she wanted to kill. She She's not a danger. <laughs> Jillian, don't flip the table. There's know, all this equipment I know, on it. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's the only, it's, this equipment is the only thing that's keeping me from doing it. My love for you and doing this podcast. Her crime, while violent, was specific in nature. She is saying, in effect, if I understand that, that sentence, even if she did it, She's not a danger to the community because she's already killed the only one she wanted to kill. And now begins the absolute nightmare <laughs> of these grandparents having to deal with Shirley. So the grandparents are trying to do it right. They're trying to go through the lawyers and, and Shirley is still trying to play nice with them. And they're... They, but still calling them babysitters, which makes me Still calling them babysitters. And being like and these saying, backhanded manipulatives. You know, we, I don't actually need you to, to, be, to babysit. Like, I don't actually need you. So it's not like... I need you guys like it's, you know it's gonna be a big deal to me if I don't have you to babysit I don't want to just like totally cut Kate out of the babysitting game right and she's a good babysitter I think but then she's calling them and having these like meltdowns right and that's when you hear the grandfather on the phone David, David being like this is why we go through the lawyers yeah like listen listen look we will do what is best for Zachary we will not hurt Zachary period you understand I know you don't want to, you don't tend to, but... Now, you don't like this answer, but I'm going to give it to you again. The reason we go through the lawyers is so that we don't have these meltdowns and emotional scenes. Understood? So many people would have been so much louder. Oh, yeah. So much earlier. Yeah. Yep. And he is just like, I'm doing what's best for Zachary. I'm doing what's best for Zachary. Well, and on that front, she's talking about how she doesn't have any money, but she doesn't, she needs to get food and diapers, but she doesn't want to ask them for help because she it makes her feel like a 12 year old. Well, you are. And and the and the grandpa's not having it. I feel like a 12 year old asking you guys for stuff well, all the time. We have it. We're quite willing to buy anything he needs. If he needs a coat right now, let's go buy a coat right now and get on with it. I mean, so there's a couple things here. We find out later that during this time, the grandparents, Kate and David, I'm the worst, have they run through all the options of like, what can we do? Mm-hmm. He's like, I could kill her in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Pick a night when Kate took a sleeping pill so she wouldn't know I was up. Get up in the middle of the night, dream up a pretext, go kill Shirley and come back and go back to bed so Kate would not know. That way, number one, she could not harm Zachary. And number two... 
even if they did catch me at it. I'm, I'm the first one they come looking for, of course. But Kate could truthfully say she didn't know that I was doing it, so she might still get to bring up Zachary. Or we could like try to escape with him, but here are the problems with, with that. The thing is, where they, it's really hard to get off of that right. island. It's really tough. It's either by boat or by plane. So like, And the weather is shitty. Right. And it's just like... It's... And it would be impossible. Like as soon as... Shirley is like... It, she's on top of it. Like if, if they're a minute late or whatever, she, you know, she very much feels like they, they're going to try to do something. Yeah, and like, the reason she feels that way is because Zachary is constantly picking Kate over her. Zachary always, from the time he could choose, would choose Kate over her. That was obvious and other people talked about it. Kate is a warm and loving mother. She was a phony mother. And there's video of it. It's amazing. They're like trying to get him to walk and like he walks to Kate. And then there's the birthday party at McDonald's. The one-year-old birthday party. He started to open presents, but he wasn't interested in presents. He wanted to get down. So when he got down, he made for me. Shirley was very, very angry. So she said, he loves you more than me. Why don't you take him? There is no warmth there. And we know that she left her kids high and dry. It's Wait, as if she, exactly. like, like, and then you're like, oh shit, she has children. I you forgot forget. that. She has three other you kids. Yeah. She's a monster. Yeah. So like, of course he would pick Kate and, of and David over her. I mean, there's no question. So what I was going to say is that like the whole reason that the grandparents are like playing nice this whole time is because they know that eventually the system is going to work and she's going to get extradited and they're going to get custody of the kid. So that's why they're doing all of this. Right. And now we get to August 18th. Yeah. Oh boy. And it's all over the news that Shirley and Zachary are missing. And of course, like just the the worst deja vu ever. Can you imagine Kate and David just like... Like yeah. how your your gut must have must have hit the floor. Yeah. So everyone's trying to find out what happened. My first thought was that she had left. She had taken him and she run. couldn't do that. She couldn't possibly do that. That was about two or three hours of uncertainty. The emotion was overwhelming. And what they find out is that that the cops find a baby and an adult in the water, and that it Dead. was a murder suicide. Yeah. And instantly, everyone knows what happened. Yeah. And. So David, and then you you get these clips of David, you know, just really his rage is coming out and he's so angry. And as I was watching it, I just, I I just felt like, I just kept nodding, just like, say it, Dave, like, get it out. Like, just like have this moment of anger. You're, you're owed that you had to suffer through so much with her and dealing with her. Yeah. So, but what we learn is, is that on July 4th, about a month before they are found, this incident, she meets a guy at a bar and they go out a couple times and everyone around him is like, she's crazy. They went out twice until his friends showed him articles on the web saying she was accused of killing her last boyfriend. He told her he didn't want to see her anymore. So she leaves these messages about, you know, I'm pregnant and you have to be a fucking man and step up to the plate. She was not pregnant. Right. As the autopsy said. Right. Um, so then it's like she makes a fake phone call. She goes to this guy's house on the 18th and like leaves a tampon like a used tampon on the on the lawn and pictures of her and Zachary and in her mind apparently they were saying that she was trying to frame, frame this him guy. I'm for like, that's the thing not that she's about to do it. I was like well I don't understand any of I this. didn't get that at yeah. all yeah and she like leaves a message she leaves like a fake message from this guy's apartment to her friend's apartment to sort of say like I'm here like yeah. that was supposed to be her alibi right or like that but was supposed like, to be like put her there so that he could have murdered her or something yeah, yeah. Or so, but it's like you idiot so then like she gets lost like she it's just all the all of these details about 
just what happened this horrible, horrible, horrible night. Shirley took her prescription for Ativan, prescribed for her by psychiatrist John Doucette, mixed it into your formula, then took some herself. The only good thing we know about this is that you were not conscious and you did not suffer. She then... She then walked to the edge of a pier, and with you strapped to her stomach with a sweater, she jumped into the Atlantic Ocean. The cops, though. The, the, I'm like, finally, good cops. Kate and Dave, David tell us that the cops, like, didn't use a, a – usually they it's just like a plastic bag. Yeah. So Shirley got, like, whatever. They just, yeah. like, didn't care. But they wrapped Zachary in a blanket, and they kept his body as far away from hers as possible. And they were just really kind about it. So for really for the first time, Kate and David were shown some sort of sympathy and warmth, aside yeah. from our girl Jackie yeah. and, and their, their friends and family. But finally, someone in law enforcement was like, I totally get how insane this is, and I'm so sorry. And we're going to treat you with respect. Yeah. Yeah, and the and the parents are just like, you know, the 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 last like 10 15 minutes of the movie are them sort of like finding a purpose. Well, first of all, they get shit done. They, there's something called the Turner Report. Yeah. And like there were 58 recommendations in it and things were they of course like Gemma and Abby they just take this pain and they turn it into activism. They're changing things for for yeah, the better. Yeah. Totally. There are 58 recommendations in the report. I am announcing our action plan. We will develop policy specific to children whose parents are charged with a violent crime. So at the end of it, you know, the, it's called Dear Zachary and at the end of the movie Kurt realizes that it's really a love letter to and about Kate and David the grandparents and about all these people again like the audio is overlapping because everyone's saying the same beautiful things about them very very much you are the most amazing the strongest people I've ever known I love you guys I love them very much I love them very much I love them yeah and you see these two people like they're sitting on the couch you know they've they've gone through this like long interview obviously for this documentary and they've cried and they've whatever and but they're there they've made it they're so strong you know they survived like the murder of of their son and the murder of their grandson who was like the one again to say that like their son is gone they think it there it's just over but then they have this like ray of hope that they're gonna have his baby yeah. and then they lose that and they're still here yeah you know it's incredible it's it's, it's a real testament to the power of community absolutely you know? and the family you choose too yes, the, yeah, the people you yeah. choose to surround yourself with who really can lift you up in in moments of absolute horror <laughs> Girl, we did it. We did it. You guys, when when we when Jillian walked into my apartment today, I was like, I don't know if we can do this. Oh, when I how? crawled in and like couldn't get myself <laughs> up off the floor because I was like, how is this gonna happen? Uh, two quick things to note, guys. We're on Spotify. Woo! Find us on Spotify. Woo! Um, you guys, our Facebook group. What do I? I don't even know. How do, is it? GIF or GIF? I say GIF because the first word is graphic. I it's know. a GIF off. It's Every single day is a GIF off. It's my favorite thing. Keep, it's called the True Crime Obsessed Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. Go join it. Go, join go, it go, right go. now. And last thing, um, our iTunes. You guys, it, you're killing it. You guys were almost at 500. That's insane. I know. So if you haven't left a review yet, we'd be super grateful. Yay! And thank you for being a friend. So okay, where can people find you? I'm at Jillian with a G on uh, the Twitter and the Instagram. And I'm at Patrick Hines on Twitter. Twitter at Patrick Hines underscore on the Instagram. Um, girl. Okay, so next time we're gonna do you guys. There's a documentary on Netflix. It's mm-hmm. called The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson. So as a person who was raised in the gay community, Marsha Marsha P. Johnson is, has been a hero. Like I've known about Marsha mm-hmm. like forever. I actually know some of the people in this movie. Oh wow. Yeah, and and I I cannot recommend this movie highly enough. Really, like there is a murder mystery at the center of it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it may expose you to some things you've never seen before. Okay, so here is the preview for The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson, which you can find on Netflix. And stay tuned for outtakes that are actually really funny. I want to say it was the 4th of July. We were going to meet at midnight, but she never showed up. She was in danger. I was there when they pulled her out. Marsha was so full of life. Marsha P. Johnson was the Rosa Parks of the LGBT movement. Darling, I want my gay rights now! Her case has been cold for 25 years. I'm calling from the Anti-Violence Project here in New York City. I want to try to give Marsha justice. Marsha! Marsha! Street people and the drag queens were the vanguard of the movement. Stonewall, Marsha and I fought the cops off. We were in the streets turning over cars. The movement started the next day. Marshall was famous all around the world. But even famous people, cases go cold. This is her case. It's hard for me to believe that she would commit suicide. A lot of people think it was a murder. Marsha had a fear about the mafia. Something's wrong. We keep on running into a brick wall. You a private investigator? No. Don't play detective yourself, all right? Leave this to the people that should handle it. Justice, 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 we want justice here! Justice, justice, to find out who the hell murdered Marsha! I have been beaten. I have been thrown in jail. I have lost my job for gay liberation. Revolution now! I don't bite my tongue for nobody, which can get you murdered, you know. The police just brush it off. I'll get to the bottom of it. There's a massive number of trans women who have been murdered. And they're yelling out from their graves. For justice. down is this table by the way <laughs> it looks a little flimsy <laughs> cut it out cut it out like joey from full <laughs> house i love that guy by the way dave I, coulier yeah i have looked online for shirtless pictures of him for some reason i think he's very sexy and they they don't really exist as oh. you might imagine one time when i worked <laughs> at a restaurant on the upper west side you are you ready for are you are you sitting down i don't know i mean one yes, time but- Uncle Joey walked in for lunch and sat down at a table by himself. Do you know who joined him? Uncle Jesse. Uncle Jesse! Yes! <laughs> That's the only way that story can end. <laughs> it's one of those things where if you're sitting... If it was sit- Bob Saget, I would have been like, I'm leaving. You do the recording by yourself. That's awful. I'm not doing this. One of the times she calls, she's like, you know, I'm so sorry to call because I just wanted... You know, I feel like I'm always calling asking you for things, but this is a surprise from Zachary to you, can you buy him a bunch of stuff? And they're like, bitch, are you fucking kidding? Yeah, I hope that's not how you really do things in Canada, interrogating a wanted murderer over the phone. I know. Are you kidding me? Newfoundland. New- Newfoundland. Newfoundland. No, but they say land. I always thought it was Newfoundland too, but they now say, they say? Newfoundland. I um I know that I got a text from you that you're afraid that you're not going to be able to make come from away jokes. No, I'm so not. <laughs> I'm so not. I'm sorry, you guys. It's like the one Welcome thing. Welcome to the rock, an islander. <laughs> I am an islander. <laughs> Why is this glass filled with a clear liquid that's not vodka? Why is this club soda? I don't understand. <laughs> 
I have nothing against Come From Away. I just, it is but so I don't. Good. I hear it's like beautiful. You know, it's, it's gorgeous. Like really and Jen Colella, girl, call me. Jen Colella is your friendly um, Broadway lesbian. I know. I know who she. I know what Come From Away is. <laughs> I'm. An islander, I am an islander, I'm an islander, I am an islander. Woo! To the trees, to the ocean and the sky, and whatever's in between. To the ones who left, you never truly got. My candles in the window and the candles always on. When the sun is coming up and the world is coming short. If you're hoping for a harbor, then you'll find an open door. In the winter from the water, through whatever's in the way. To the ones who have come from the way. about Ollie real quick. I know you love it. Well, yeah. So my pup Pete is on a diet. Poor thing. I know, but not <laughs> not really because he has Ollie now. You guys, we got a lot to tell you about Ollie. Let's go. Ollie puts dogs first with vet formulated recipes and fully transparent ingredients to give your dog the healthiest food possible. Right. So that means they make fresh meals for dogs with real ingredients that you guys, we can eat the ingredients. Oh my God. Yeah. And then they deliver it to your door on a regular schedule. They beat out store-bought dog food 10 to 1 on the palatability scale. Pete doesn't know he's on a diet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so these vet formulated recipes, they're made with all natural ingredients, no preservatives, and they're sourced from U.S. family farms. You guys go to myolly.com, answer a few questions about your dog, and they'll customize recipe to your dog and ship pre-portioned meals so your pup gets the perfect portion every time. I know they address it to Pete. It's the cutest thing in the world. <laughs> Do they really? Yes. <laughs> you guys, they've delivered 5 million meals and counting. Shipping is free. And if your dog doesn't love the meals, they have a money back guarantee. Right. So Ollie is offering our listeners 60% off your first box plus a free bag of treats at myolly.com slash try slash TCO. This is the best deal they have available anywhere, you guys. Go to myolly.com slash try slash TCO for 60% off plus a free bag of treats. Right, and that's spelled my O L L I E dot com slash try slash TCO. Go! Go! We love you. Love you, dogs. Bye. <laughs>